You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. Today, though, is Thursday, May 25th, so we're a day ahead of schedule this week. But regardless, it's close enough to the end of the week and a holiday weekend that we thought we would have this conversation today. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, happy to be here. Sort of an interesting week going on here. Let's hope it closes out the way we want it. Uh, things are pr- looking pretty good so far. And I want to remind everyone before we get started that this weekly wrap-up segment is brought to you by Sprott Money, an accredited Royal Canadian Mint Bullion DNA dealer. Visit SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, let's just start with where we left off in trading yesterday. Back on Wednesday, we had the minutes from the FOMC meeting of three weeks ago, kind of setting the table for the FOMC meeting that's coming three weeks from now. It appears, though, the Fed is still wanting to wait and see what happens with some of the economic data between now and then. That doesn't sound much like much of a plan if we're going to be swayed by what happens in the next three weeks, but that's what they're thinking. What do you think will happen next month with the FOMC? Well, I would say, basically, notwithstanding the fact that the Fed describes the weakness as transitory, it looks like the weakness is not transitory. I mean, we see the new home sales are weak, the existing home sales are weak. The Richmond Fed Index was a, just a disaster. I think it went from 25 to 1. Uh, we, we, when we get to see car sales, which is a, always going to be very interesting, that will come out uh, very early in June. Uh, they've been very weak so far. We read all these stories about collapsing used car prices and collapsing, uh, in essence, uh, new prices because of the incentives that they're using. So there's lots of indications that uh, things are slow here. And so much as the Fed would like to call it transitory, uh, they left it open that, you know, if it, if, it, if it turns out that it's not transitory, we may not raise in June. Uh, but they said generally, in principle, we will raise in June. But, I mean, they, they have all the options open. I would say the data does not support a rise, uh, but the market seems to suggest that a rise is forthcoming. I think either way, gold's going to rally anyway. It's rallied every time they have increased the rate. Uh, so it might even be better if they increase the rate. But uh, I, I, I don't think the data supports a rate increase. What do you think of this notion of them reducing their, what is it, $4.3 trillion balance sheet by $10 billion a month? It's a small amount of bonds. They seem to be wanting to jawbone longer interest rates higher, but it doesn't seem to be working, does it? Well, I mean, it's got $10 billion a month. Come on, it's $120 billion a year in a $4.5 trillion balance sheet. I mean, we won't be alive, Craig, when they finally get this thing finished, right, at that rate. And it's going to take 45 years. Sorry, you'll be alive. I won't be alive. Anyway, uh, it just it, it seems ridiculous. And, of course, it's all just jawboning. The fact is, and the reality is that you and I both know, and most of our listeners, the central banks of the world have been propping up the markets, and the minute they sort of start shaking, they come in again. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to do anything to upset markets. And, and, and if... if uh, you know, reducing your balance sheet by $10 billion a month even started to have a negative impact on things. They'd reverse it immediately. So I, I tend not to believe anything the Fed says. You know, the Fed's been talking about normalization for 17 years now, uh, you know, well, where it's not normal and it's not beginning to look normal and it won't be normal. I, I don't think there'll ever be any normalcy until we have some kind of crash. 
we get rid of the Fed, then we, we don't even have to listen to the words like normalcy and uh, other utterances that have absolutely no meaning in, in, in the real world of economics. So, um, I, I, I don't think there'll be a rate increase in June. You know, and underlying some of this, Eric, uh, there are a lot of seven- and eight-figure Wall Street economists out there at the end of last year proclaiming king dollar and a new reign for king dollar and how the dollar was the safest, easiest trade of the year. But, Eric, the dollar's at seven-month lows and down more than 6% year-to-date. Is that telling us anything that we need to be listening to? Well, it is. I mean, I, I think I even said on the last uh, interview, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the U.S. is bankrupt because of all the un- unfunded obligations. Uh, and, of course, now you have this... Uh, this uh, muck up in Washington where no one get anything done. Things continue to deteriorate economically. Uh, the deficit's going to just keep exploding the way we dealt with things. We don't. We we have to face another uh, debt ceiling come September. Uh, I mean, I see lots of reasons. Well, of course, I don't believe in any of the currencies, and it's not just us now. There's lots of other. We should talk about these cryptocurrencies, by the way, in that light. But and it's. Um, Lots of people that believe the currencies aren't uh, are really worth their inherent value, which is a piece of paper, which is worth nothing. And uh, so the U.S. currency is in that. I think the fact that their economy has has not rebounded as quickly, for example, the European economy seems to be doing a little better. You know, like it's a great thing when the quarterly GDP goes from 0.4 to 0.6 percent, which is still nothing, but everybody loves it now. And of course. Uh, GDP here is, is weak and might get weaker with revisions. So, and it's definitely getting weaker this quarter than it was last quarter. Um, so I, I'm not a believer in U.S. dollar strength, and of course uh, this has been partly uh, part of the reason why gold's come off its uh, low from three or four weeks ago, and uh, and the dollar is not looking so uh, so happy in in the world of currencies anymore. Let's talk about the metals coming off those lows, Eric. Uh, we've talked about that now for a couple of weeks. We noted last week the rather extreme technical picture for silver. Remember we joked about how the RSI level had reached the price and how that's usually a good sign. Uh, silver has since recovered, but I want to get your opinion on the um, on the commitment of traders report. Now, it's, it's here it is Thursday the 25th. We're going to get another commitment of traders tomorrow on Friday. The most recent one, though, was last Friday based off data that, well, actually was surveyed all the way back on the 16th. Okay, so this is now getting to be rather stale. However, back on the 16th of May, particularly in silver, the numbers were astonishing with some of the best, uh, I guess we'll call it best, most bullish positions in silver since early 2016 or even 15. Uh, All of this together, do you think, is a good sign for silver? Absolutely, and of course, you wrote a great article on it describing exactly where the speculators' position is and the commercials' position was and how everything's been totally reversed in three weeks. I mean, it's stunning that they can pull off this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, the speculators go from, you know, major long positions now to, to uh, short positions, and the commercials are able to cover all these shorts in like three weeks. It just it blows one's mind that they could do that. Uh, but that's what's happened, and the setup, of course, is very, very positive. I, I would hope maybe, maybe it even gets more positive here if these uh, hedge funds seem to want to begin to short these metals and fine, bring it on because uh, it's the trap that's laid by the commercial bankers here, and, and they will pay seriously for it. And you know, one of the things that we all debate, and Ted Butler more than anyone else writes about, is you know, if you get a rally where the commercials stop shorting. 
In other words, they know it's over. And there are signs of that in the sense that, you know, in the COMEX, there's been more increasing deliveries almost every day for 15 days in a row. Uh, there's a sense of tightness, the short, there's huge short positions. But this silver thing could kind of explode, and uh, which actually takes me to Bitcoin, because one of the things that I think is, is most noteworthy, besides the setup and the cost, is the fact that the cryptocurrencies are going ballistic here. I mean, these things move up 10, 15, 20% a day. We've had some of them go up like thousands of percent in three months. Mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum, Ripple, Bitcoin, but whatever, $2,500 now. And one of the interesting things I reflect on is a gentleman named Cliff High, who studies uh, discussions on the internet, was very, very strong in saying, you know, Bitcoin's going to really go here. And, you know, it seemed like a very odd thing at the time, and probably Bitcoin was a thousand bucks at the time, now it's 2,500. But he did say, and after that, then silver and gold get going, and of course, particularly silver. So what I'm kind of standing by thinking, you know, the logic of people putting money in Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies is they don't believe in currencies, and they want an alternative. And of course, one of the alternatives is gold and silver, and I think you mentioned you were asked a question of why. Why gold? Why gold people don't like Bitcoin? Of course, the reason they don't like it is not a real asset. But two, our market's rigged. Right. <laughs> and the banks, the central banks, suppress the price of gold and silver, but they can't suppress the price of the cryptocurrencies. And that's why this it can, it can be manifested there. The displeasure of people towards the currencies can be manifested in cryptocurrencies. It can't in gold and silver until we bust the cartel. And, of course, that's kind of what we're all aiming here. When do we have a sense that we might bust the cartel? I noticed that uh, James Turk, with a couple of interviews recently, has suggested that he thinks they're going to get busted this month. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. We get uh, options explained, I guess, is today on, uh, on the COMEX, and it's going to be on the 31st in London. And uh, we'll see who nominates for deliveries here because the delivery period for April just kept getting better all the time. And um, hopefully the same thing happens in this next month, that people nominate to take physical delivery. And the physical delivery, of course, will bust the cartel. And that's what we have to watch for. Eric, lastly, in the stocks, uh, you've noticed a few trends lately that have kind of caught your attention. Anything you want to share with us? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the interesting things, I see a lot of great drilling results. And I see good drilling results in companies that were starved before, you know, where there just wasn't any money for so long, like 10 years running, they had no money. And finally, the capital markets opened up uh, a couple of years ago where the company could raise capital. And now you see the drilling at existing facilities. And all of a sudden, the guys are coming up with tremendous uh, gold intersections and our silver intersections. And there's a lot of companies that, that fall in that category. I'm not going to get specific on them, but I think it's uh, we're going to have a renaissance in the the gold stocks here. A lot of them react quickly to it now, which is a very positive thing. So I think um, you know listeners should stay tuned, stay in tune with some of these developments that are going on in the ground and the drilling with some companies because I think there's going to be some uh, serious moves in some of these stocks. And of course, we see the majors making moves into uh, some of the smaller stocks, we had a takeover company called Integra last week. We have a number of companies, the big companies, move in and buy pieces of companies in the Yukon. 
I mean, and, and I sense that there's more of that going to happen. So I think there's a lot going on in stock world here. Stocks are kind of held together here. Uh, and, of course, any sign of gold reaching 1300 I think these stocks will just fly here. So it looks pretty good, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll get a lot more real soon. And I might just throw on a plug here as we wrap up, Eric. Uh, one of the other segments that, that we record every month, in fact, last, uh, last month, the expert in Ask the Expert was you. Uh, which was very well received and everybody enjoyed. But we just posted yesterday the Ask the Expert segment for May, and the expert was Rob McEwen, who everybody knows, legendary founder of Gold Corp, now is the uh, president, CEO, chairman of uh, of McEwen Mining. And he echoed many of those same points. And so I encourage everybody to check out the Sprott Money blog for that that interview with Rob McEwen. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time again today. It's going to be an interesting week next week. We'll have the employment report data by the time we speak again next week, and that seems to be what the Fed's going to be focusing on. should be a rather interesting week ahead, and I look forward to talking to you next Friday. I'll look forward to it, too. In the meantime, you enjoy your long weekend. You do the same, and everyone else that's been listening. I hope everyone out there has a nice three-day holiday weekend here in the States, at least, and we'll talk to you again next week. 